Welcome to Your Partner in Success Radio, a program that values the potential of knowledge, collaboration, and growth. The show is hosted by Denise Griffiths, who is known as an intensely curious nerd in stilettos. Each Wednesday, she is joined by co-host Ben Gay III, a renowned figure in the sales world. Ben is recognized for introducing The Closers, one of the most popular and powerful sales training materials ever produced. Having been mentored by Dr. Napoleon Hill himself, Ben has gained a wealth of knowledge in sales and life. Throughout the show, Denise and Ben delve into the world of sales, entrepreneurship, and success, exploring Ben's vast experience from guiding and mentoring countless professionals to achieve unparalleled success in their careers. Together, they offer unmatched guidance to listeners seeking success in their professional endeavors. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting episode of the Closers Inner Circle podcast, hosted by me, Denise Griffiths, and Ben Gay III on your partner in Success Radio. Now, Ben joins me each Wednesday, and this is where we discuss sales mastery, really anything that crosses our minds, and things do cross our minds because we have a good time, and we chat, and we visit, and we study Ben's famous sales books, also known as the Bible, the Sales Bibles the closers. And last week we covered page 29, qualify, but don't prejudge. That was interesting. So be sure to download and listen on your partner in success radio or wherever you consume your favorite podcasts. And today, Ben and I are working from the closers part two, page 209, getting them to buy your offer. It's never as easy as you think it's going to be. So whether you have a workable, successful sales presentation now or you're still trying to develop one, it's really important that you understand the elements that go into all successful presentations. And that's whether they're working or not working, but you need to know why they're working or why it doesn't and how you can improve it. In either case, morning, Ben, it's Wednesday. I'm so glad to see you here. Morning to you. I'm glad to hear your dulcet voice once again. I will call it that. (laughs) (laughs) It's been called a lot of things. Dulcet is my favorite. So what are we, I was reading this chapter again last night. I've read these books over and over again. They live on a very important shelf next to my desk in my, what I call my entrepreneurial library. And this is one of the longer chapters, but it's meaty. So where do you want to start? Uh, Anywhere you'd like. Our listeners, we're talking about page 209 in the closers part two and it's called getting them to buy your offer one of the neat things about it uh, when you write a book sometimes you don't reread it every few minutes in reviewing this uh, myself in the last day or two uh, I was pleasantly surprised to discover how strong it is it's it could be a complete that chapter blown up and Certain parts re-emphasized could be a book unto itself. It really breaks down the sales process. And more importantly, what's really going on, people oftentimes don't know, you know what, what they're selling because they don't know where they are in the sales process. And the, that particular chapter really lays out what's going on, where you are in the process, <clears throat> and uh, how to guide the uh, uh, the presentation we were you and I as we were getting ready to come on 
Uh, we're talking about Jimmy Rucker, the greatest salesman I ever personally worked with. And Jimmy had an un, an uncanny ability. In fact, much of the closers part two is me putting into writing formally what I watched Jimmy do and what I eventually was able to do and what all the greats that I worked with really did. When you think of Zig Ziglar, you think him on stage, kneeling down and, and, uh, yelling and then whispering and, and with that heavy southern accent of his um but that is i worked with zig for years in meetings when he was with prospects and that isn't what was going on when uh, he was sitting at a table after the meeting closing prospects he was serious as a heart attack and he followed when i was reading this i thought oh that's not only jimmy that's zig that's uh grandino that's almost all the greats I ever worked with uh, followed the same process. So I encourage you to read it. We're not going to read the whole chapter to you here, but I encourage you to get the book. If you don't have it, read it. Uh, and uh, always have a highlighter pen with you, with any good book, but with mine especially, there's so many points that'll leap out at you that I don't know are important to you, but you will when you read them highlight them and then the book becomes more and more valuable my original copy or the first copy i decided was mine back in those early days of the closers part one is highlighted dog-eared marked up those little sticky notes sticking out of it looks like a porcupine all over it and a guy in my office came in my office one day and they said what's that and i said that's my personal copy of the closers part one he said $10,000. He wanted said, to buy it from you? He wanted to buy it because he'd get uh, the notes and the highlighted and the underline oh, and all. Uh, looking back, I could have gotten a new book and marked it up over time. Uh, so, but I, in knee-jerk reaction, said, no, uh, that's mine and it's not for sale. I guess the secret was he didn't have the right number. I'm pretty sure there was a number at which I would have said, it's yours. <laughs> And that's where he failed. He, yeah, yeah. he didn't know his prospect and he didn't really work. But it's really true. A book, a learning book, a nonfiction book that's teaching this stuff becomes more valuable. You know, you were taught in school, don't put a mark in a book. And although that's because they were passing it on to the next class. They didn't, you know, it wasn't your education at that moment they were concerned with. They were concerned with the, uh, preserving the book. Well, if I buy a book, I have thousands of them. If I buy a book, it's mine. I can tear out pages if I want. I, I don't think I ever have, but I can mark them up. I can dog ear them. I can underline them. I can write notes in the margin. It's mine. And the more valuable it becomes, it, it will become more valuable to you the more it's marked up because those are the things you needed to know. Uh, the uh, I find in when I'm doing a seminar, I probably do more good before the seminar walking around. I'm always the first one in the room. The janitor and I unlock the, the meeting room so I can greet them as they come in and get to know them. And I'm always the last one to leave. I hear the vacuum cleaner running. That means it's time to go. Uh, <clears throat> because when I'm talking to individuals, I get to answer specific questions that they're struggling with, not the presentation I came in to give, 
which may or may not apply to them. So uh, get them, mark them up, uh, save them. And soon we're going to start uh, with new shipments going out of the books. Currently, I put a little book in there that Steve Wilford and I wrote called Secrets of the Keymaster. I happen to have extras, so we include one of those with every order. When they run out, because we're not going to reprint them, if you have one now, it's about to be a collector's item. Um, I don't have one, hint, hint. Oh, I don't have one. <laughs> I, I don't want you to send me an email. I'm going to talk to your wife. <laughs> Just forget I said it. I'm going to go straight into you. You're going to go right to the source. That's right. One of my old friends, uh, Vance Powell, he's gone now as vice president of our operations in the Southwest. And he called one day and he said, uh, I don't know what it was, but he wanted something done that would help him and probably all the other VPs that we had. And I said, okay, Vance, that's a good idea. I'll do it. And he said, well, let me speak to Marty. I said, Marty was Martha Conley, my executive assistant, boss, uh, office wife, and ran the house to a certain degree. Uh, she was all-encompassing uh, head of the family, unofficial head of the family. So I said to Vance, okay, I'll handle it. He says, let me speak to Marty. I said, you don't have to talk to Marty. I just told you it's approved and we'll do it. And he said, Ben, I really want this done. Please put Marty on the phone. Told you. <laughs> I, I realized then there was something lacking in my executive abilities, but uh, the, the follow trust, through, yeah, yeah, follow the, through is important. <laughs> I had somehow lost Vance as a believer in my attention to details. It happens. I yeah. lose myself all the time. You know, I'll I'll wake up every morning. I'm wandering around, talking to myself out loud. I like to think I'm talking to my pets, but I'm really talking to myself. Yeah. yeah. I'll say, okay, Denise, we're going to do this. And I realize that that's ego speaking. It's not me speaking. So I'll switch and say, I am going to. Well, crap. Now I just promised myself. So I have to go do it. <laughs> now I have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. It's how you speak to yourself and it's the follow through. Well, let's hit some of the highlights in that uh, chapter overviews. Uh, one, as I said, is know what you're selling and when you're selling it and where you are in the sales process. I probably have used this before in one of our broadcasts, but it bears repeating. Ricardo Pomar sells land in Arizona from Hawaii. Been a client for years, but when we had our first conversation, it was around the, uh, Mr. Gay, uh, you were highly recommended to me. What I'm trying to do is sell one-acre lots uh, in Arizona, and the town was, basically the town was the development. And uh, I want to I'm selling them in a half inch or one inch or something, a little classified ad. I said, how's that going? He said, well, we're not selling many. I said, I don't doubt it. He said, well, I need you to rework them. And I said, what's the assignment? He said, sell one acre lots in Arizona in a small classified ad. I said, I can't do it. No point in taking your money in an assignment that I can't do. He said, I was told you were the best. I said, I am. That's one of the reasons I just told you I'm not going to do that. Now, would you like to know what we're doing? And he said, yeah. I said, there are several sales involved. The first sale, and he didn't have a toll-free number in his ad, the first sale 
will be made easier by having a toll-free number in your ad. And then we're going to not scare them. They're, they don't want to call in and talk to somebody live who's going to talk them into doing things they don't want to do. <clears throat> we're going to give them a toll-free number to hear a recording about the development. And I'll write that, I'll write the ad and I'll write that script. And it turned out I wound up doing it, the script. You know, I'm the one you hear when you call in. <clears throat> and then he said, so we're going to sell them then? I said, no, uh, that's, we're going to talk them into giving us at the end of the recording, their name, mailing address, email, if that was a thing back then when I first started with him, I'm not even sure it was, but all their contact information. And that's the next sale to get them to do that. And, and he said, well, how will that sell them? I said, we're not selling them anything yet. We're selling them now on getting the package and reading it. And then in that package, we send the sales letter, two or three page powerful sales letter, the contracts, the fill in the blank deed, and the colorful brochure that tells them all the benefits of living in your development. That's when we sell them. So if you're failing, it's because you don't know where you are in the sales process. There's four sales going on. You're working only with one, and the one isn't capable of selling it. So we then went on, changed the ads, et cetera, and uh, sold out the, the development. He had to go buy more land, which his concern when we first talked was having that land until he died, <laughs> since it wasn't <laughs> going anywhere. Uh, the uh, another little one just crossed my mind when I said uh, you have to know what you're doing and where you are in the process. You've seen the ads for the Medicare supplements. They all now have a change that one of them paid for. I told him what to do, and he's a client. He changed his, and in the coming weeks, they I noticed everyone I see on television, the change is made. They used to have a disclaimer at the bottom that warned you you were going to talk to a uh, insurance agent, a salesperson. I forget how they worded it, but it was basically, uh, you know, before you dial the phone, heads up, we got to warn you, you're going to talk to a salesperson. So my great suggestion was, and they paid for it like I'd written a whole script, was take out the period at the end of that warning and put in an exclamation mark and make the type bigger. In other words, oh. good news. You're going to talk to a licensed insurance agent oh. who, who he or she knows what they're doing. Jay Douglas Edwards used to say, and I quote it frequently, it's in the book Sales Closing Power, which is at our website. I wrote it for him. I wrote it for his family, actually, after he died. He said, if you have a built-in objection, bring it up first right. and brag about it. Well, the built-in objection was, if you dial this number, a horrible, lying, cheating salesperson is going to get ahead of you. And that's Don't where get... I went. That's exactly where I went. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to talk to a salesperson. I just want information. Right. Uh, but oh. when we put an exclamation mark after, you know, good news, we're going to have good information for you, accurate Honestly. information for you. Uh, and it still says no need, no commitment to buy and so on. Sales went up dramatically. And I don't know in their competitors' businesses, but I have no reason to believe they didn't experience the same thing. And the difference basically was an exclamation mark instead of a period. 
because they they were trying to go right for the close, not knowing that isn't the issue. The issue is to get them to pick up the phone and dial. I don't know if it's national or just here, but have you seen the commercial for the Medicare supplement where the little old lady is saying, I'm not going to call and so on. They have an especially aggravating actress playing a little old lady. I'm not going to call because so-and-so. Well, whoever wrote that script, the selection of the actress is very bad, but whoever wrote that script understood it. They don't want to call because they're going to get sold something. So they didn't know they didn't know where they were in the sales yeah, process. Exactly. And see, I, you're talking about a commercial. I think that I don't watch TV. I haven't watched oh. it in many years. I think the last commercial I even remember was Where's the Beef? I don't even know what that was all about. So, that goes yeah. back away. I think so. <laughs> That's 40 years ago. Did they have television then? Oh, I think they did. I think it was black and white. Yeah. I'm not sure. Walter Mondale, when he was running for president one of the many times, <clears throat> stole that line. And when he was debating whoever, I think he was debating Reagan or somebody, uh, one of his catch lines was, where's the beef? You know, you have a personality and you're funny and so-and-so, but where's the beef? So that was a, a classic line from a classic commercial. I forget who it was, was it Wendy's or somebody. I think it was, it had to have been a burger chain. I don't know. I yeah. just popped into my head when you were talking, but you know, I'm one of those people. And I think there's a lot of us, we have a lot of sales fatigue these days. And if we're being told to go pick up the phone and call somebody, you better give us a strong reason to do mm -hmm. so, which yep. is what you did. Absolutely. Well, Knowing where you are in the process, let me just give you the highlights for our listeners. Um, oversimplified, and there, there are exceptions, and you can't always go from paragraph A to paragraph Z, because sometimes the customer actually has questions <laughs> or individual concerns that are unique to them. But first, uh, you, your job is to sell you. Um, I'll talk in my favorite third person when I'm on the phone or even on email or in person, you know, in groups, talking to large groups. First, I sell me. I'm Ben Gay. I know what I'm talking about. You may be smarter than I am, but in this one little area of the product or the service or whatever, in this one little area, I'm the resident expert. So you get them to to listen to you. Second, most salespeople have skipped that part and go right to the product and start arguing about pricing. Second, you sell the company, who you're with. You're with a trustworthy organization. And what I'm saying now goes back to always know where you are in the process. I don't sit down and go, well, we'll just chat for a while. Maybe we'll hit all the points. First, deliberately, maliciously, with malice and forethought, I sell me. Then I sell whoever I'm representing. If we know about land in Arizona, I would have sold me. Um, I didn't tell you that my father opened up Apple Valley, California, which is very similar terrain and uh, so on. And then I would sell the company, the resort, the development, whatever it is or Xerox if I work for them. I've taught this to many people at Xerox in their Xerox selling skills program. Next, we sell Xerox. Then third, most people put it first, 
we sell the product or service and its value of having it. Um, what what's in it for them? Because that's all you know. People ask me all the time, "How has selling changed since you've been in it?" That's well. The good news is, except for terminology and technology, the, te the terminology changes periodically. Phrases come and go, and twenty years later they reappear. But that's just terminology, what we call it. And then the technology, of course, has certainly helped salespeople. Hadn't changed anything except you can do more faster. So that's the great advantage of that. But we then sell the value of the product or service and what's what's in it for them, which is all they've ever wanted to know. Going back to the silk traders from India, the buyer wanted to know what's in it for me. The Yankee peddler of hundreds of years ago here in the United States, or what became the United States, what's in it for me? And so you explain that, and you have a preset close in your mind, and all you're doing is lining up the right to use it. I liken the way I sell, I have an 86% closing rate on serious sales. I don't count an individual book or 10 books or whatever. But if I'm selling a seminar, which is serious money, or a consulting contract or a writing contract or whatever, I've got to uh, sell them on me and uh, what what's in it for them. W-I-I-F-M, is that right? Yeah, I use it all the time and I forget that it's supposed to be radio call letters. Sell them what's in it for me, which is all they've ever wanted to know. And then I understand while all this is going on, I coined this phrase years and years ago, it's been made even more popular by several people in books and so on. People buy from people that they know, and that can take as um, little as five or 10 minutes. It's not a lifelong uh, project. They buy from people they know that they like and that they trust. And all of those can be established if you know what you're doing rather quickly. Dot, dot, dot. And with whom they feel safe. And that sort of sums up the no like and trust thing, but I just love it. Rod and Anspatch and I worked that out in a casual conversation one day about no like and trust. And with whom they feel safe. So your job if you're selling a widget, uh, maybe to get them to take possession of the widget at an agreed upon price, but that'll go a whole lot quicker and easier if they know, like, trust you, and feel safe with you. Shelley Berman, the old comedian, back when only 5% of all Americans had ever been on an airplane, used to talk about the fear of flying. And uh, he said, when I get on an airplane, and the captain, this is where they, because terrorism locked him in the cabin, you rarely see him. But back when he was out greeting people like a cabin attendant, uh, he said, when I see him, I want to see gray temples. I want to see crinkly uh, skin at the corners of the eye from gazing into the sun uh, while flying for 10,000 hours. Uh, and I, I want him to have a deep, comforting voice. And he said, here's the feeling I'm looking for. Daddy, I can relax because daddy's going to take me flying.
Right. And that makes sense. You know, these days, you know, somebody, and I'll hear my friends say, oh, I need to go to the dentist. I need to go. That guy's 12 years old. We're hearing that. <laughs> like, I don't trust anybody that looks younger than my dog. No. <laughs> nice to meet you, doctor. Yeah. Do you have a real doctor here today? <laughs> exactly. But, you know, and of course, now these days, I think most people do look younger, you know, better nutrition, better products, better, you know, skincare, better dental work. But I, I get what you're saying. You know, if I see somebody that looks like they are still kind of wet behind the ears, I get a little concerned. Absolutely. Uh, our doctor who we worship, Dr. Galang, if you ever moved to Placerville, Gerald Galang is the guy you want. Had a guy uh, shadowing him the other day when Gigi and I were in there. And he's now a member of the practice, this guy. But the first time I'd seen him, and he looked very young. And uh, he said, uh, uh, Dr. Galang said, this is Dr. So-and-so, John somebody. And... Uh, the guy stepped forward, stepped forward and shook my hand, but not with great confidence. He said, call me John. And I said, no, I'm going to give you a free sales lesson. Your doctor so-and-so. If, if, if we ever get to know each other, I might sl slowly start to call you John, like I call Dr. Uh, Dr. Glang Gerald from time to time, uh, mainly just to let him know I know his first name. But he's Dr. Galang. You know, John, doctor, whatever. You need all the credibility you can get. And that's not John. John, who looks as young as you look, mows my yard. I don't take medical advice from him. So you want to be doctor so-and-so, so that you can use what I call the doctor clothes. The doctor clothes is, you know, what does the doctor do? He doesn't come in and go, hi, how are you? Here's some pills I think you ought to take. The doctor doesn't know what you need until he talks to you, looks at his computer history, asks you questions, and listens. And then, and only then, he or she says, uh, well, here's what I, what I think we should do. And then he, lay, he or she lays out what you're going to do and what you're going to take and writes it on a pad and you dutifully say yes and you go do it when we leave the doctor's office if i've been prescribed something we go from there to the drugstore because doctor told me to do it and i trust the doctor not john so, so you want to get into the doctor position where you can say to someone uh, based on what you've told me Here's what I suggest we do, which is my favorite clothes, by the way. And that's the sniper thing that I talk about. I have an 86% closing rate because I don't close until I know they're ready. I'm studying them. I'm watching their body language, if that's possible. If it's in person or over Zoom or something, uh, <clears throat> I'm watching how they're reacting. And then when I ask them to buy, I already know the answer or I wouldn't have asked the question. The snipers, and I had a couple of friends who were snipers in uh, Vietnam. And when I was younger, I knew some people who were snipers in World War II, older men in the neighborhood. And they said they would sit in the tree or behind the rock or whatever, sometimes for days and make as few movements as possible 
preferably none, unless they had to fall over and go to sleep, and watch and wait for the moment. And then when they fired in the sniper business, your first shot has to hit, or you're not a sniper anymore, you're in a gun battle. <laughs> so you've, you've got to make it work. And that's the same in selling. Listen, question, listen, listen, ask some more questions, listen. And then you're, you have the right to say, based on what you've told me and or based on what we've discussed, here's what I suggest we do. We, because we are now a team. It's not the salesperson versus the customer anymore. We have become a team. We've agreed on a common problem that we are going to solve. And that is an 86% closing rate in my case. Maybe you can do better than that. And then they say, well, they always say yes. No, most of the time they do. But occasionally what it does is it smokes out their last remaining objection or concern. And then you deal with that. Now you're not trying to sell the whole uh, bucket of worms. You're trying to sell the one worm that they brought up and said, this is still a concern to me. And then that's easy to deal with and you handle it. Then backing up and this repeats some things we've discussed because it's the foundation of selling. You know, how do you get an 86% closing rate? Well, when you practice and you get good at what you're doing. Um, I asked Doug Edwards one time, it's in, his, I think it's in the book and he used to mention his seminars, but I said, he was always talking about a closing instinct. And I said, well, how do you develop a closing instinct? He says, it's going to cost you some sales to learn this, but you close too soon and too often. Then it's easier to back up than if I tell you to go forward and do more closing and more this and more that, you'll get resistant to that advice. But if I tell you to close too soon and too often, you'll back up and back up until you develop your sweet spot, your closing instinct. And that's what I now have. Um, but I cheat. I only sell quality products and services that are competitively priced, don't have to be the cheapest, but competitively priced. And I spend my time talking to qualified people. And I've learned how to present qualified could be religiously, financially, geographically, a whole lot of things figure into that. Uh, there are certain tools and implements that you'd be wasting your time trying to sell to an Amish person. So you got to qualify your prospects. And the last time we talked, uh, it was about qualifying your prospect versus prejudging them. So those two lessons by coincidence sort of blend together here in this conversation. It does. And one of the, the biggest concerns, I think, from you know both sides, whether you're being sold to or you're wanting to buy something, wherever you are in the process, whatever, whatever side of the table you're on, is money. Can you really not afford it? Do you not want to afford it? Does your wife terrify you? If you say yes, going to get yes. Hurt. So, no matter what the question, yes. Yeah, but I think money is probably the biggest thing. It's always going to be, I guess, the first objection is probably going to be, can I afford this? Is it worth it to me to afford this? True. 
And that's always a factor or else we would need salespeople. You just lay it out on the counter and people would wander by and pick it up. <clears throat> that's called order taking. No, it's called theft these days, but yeah, I, yeah, I get what you're yeah. Smash and grab. The, uh, but yes, that's absolutely true. And it's something you have to be aware of. Part of that comes in the qualification process, but don't pre-qualify because as we talked about last time, I have numerous stories of people in overalls with dirt on them pulling out wads of $100 bills and buying things that I just never would have guessed, uh, except I've learned to look for it now. I do, you know, hello, he looks like a pig farmer. However, he may be worth millions of dollars. He may just be a sloppy dresser. I don't know if I've ever told you this one time, but Gigi parked me on Main Street in Placerville Park is where, where you, you ladies put a man and say, stand here and don't move. I'm going <laughs> I thought that was a dressing room in, in Nordstrom's or something. <laughs> yeah, same thing. Okay. We, we have a Nordstrom's, haven't been there in a while, but we have a Nordstrom's here, or maybe it was a Neiman Marcus. Anyway, uh, the lady said <clears throat> to Gigi, now you and I are going to go in here, but before we do that, uh, let me take care of your husband. Ben, follow me. And we went around a corner and there was a wine bar. And she introduced me to the bartendress and said, uh, keep an eye on him. His wife is shopping and uh, keep him happy, which turned out to mean there was no tab when I was done. Gigi bought <laughs> enough stuff where the lady, I guess, picked up the wine tab. But anyway, she parked me outside some store on Main Street in Placerville, California, and I'm standing there. And in town, when I hooked up with Gigi, the deal was no local clients. She knew both of my former wives grew up with one and was a friend of the other one. Uh, she uh, so she'd heard the stories of you can't get away from people, you know, distributors and customers and clients, so on. So no local clients, no speeches within fifty miles of home. Uh, I had to clarify that Lake Tahoe was more than fifty miles away from home because I do a lot of work up there. Turns out it's sixty, so that was okay. Uh, and uh, some other provision, all of them doing, uh, having to do with privacy, leave us alone. And uh, so with that in mind, I sort of relaxed in how I dressed. If I was not dressed to go shopping, but she wanted to go now, whatever I had on was fine. I just went out the door because I wasn't going to meet a local client. I wasn't going to give a speech. Nothing was hanging on it. So I'm standing outside the store and this guy comes by. I thought he was homeless. It turned out he was. And I said, how are you doing? And he said, I'm fine. And uh, so we chatted for a moment. And uh, as he started away, he tapped me on the shoulder, patted me on the arm. He says, hang in there. I'm homeless, too. Oh. oh. <laughs> and I thought, maybe I've gone too far. She let you go out like that? <laughs> <laughs> I think I said to Gigi at the time, I've since sold her, I know. I said, I was thinking maybe I ought to take it up a notch. Uh, you are not going to believe what this guy said to me. And she said, oh, I believe it. <laughs> oh, she is a very kind and patient woman. Yeah, yeah. What can I say? So know where you are in the process. Know the setup. Pick your product or service carefully. 
and then know what you're selling at every step along the way and read page 209 uh, the, that chapter it's only it's big for this book but it's only about four and a half five pages long read that and check one of the secrets of training is not to just hear it nod stand up and cheer whoever was the speaker the secret is to write it down on on your ever-present memo pad as dr hill taught me to always have i'm sitting here talking to you i have a big legal pad full size and i have two of the smaller ones five by eight i'm guessing something like that and i've made two pages of notes since we've been talking uh, i write it down and then i insert it in the proper places in my presentations or just my general learning curve or things that i want to talk to you about next time we talk or this time for instance, I have a note here from uh, last time, and for some reason I let it slip by. <clears throat> I think we just ran out of room, but it says Denise Griffiths, one, mentoring, two, podcasting. So since I've blabbered on and on today, as usual, uh, tell them a little bit about your mentoring program. I have one too, but your mentoring program for people in your industry and your podcasting program, which I just find fascinating because you're so good at it. Oh, How do you. they get in touch with you and what's in it for them? Well, that's kind of still, and I'm glad you brought that up because I'm getting ready to launch. And I'm not going to even know if it's yet. I'm still working less. Is this a mentoring program? Is it a consultation? But here's what I'm finding, Ben, because I know what I know, just like you do. You know what you know. We've done these things for so long. It's instinctive for us. We know what we know. But everybody and their grandmother right now wants to be either a podcast guest or a podcast host. And there are an awful lot of people that are putting out programs. And some of them look like they are very, very good. And others, you know, I'm going to do my favorite Reba McIntyre voice. I just want to say, moron. What the hell are you thinking? <laughs> people thinking? <laughs> That's you're, you're a moron. Moron. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm finding out from listening to you and learning from you that questions have to be asked. And what I'm inviting people to do next week, and I'm going to open it up, is it's going to be, it's going to start out as kind of a VIP listening post. Oh, that's you know, good. Isn't yeah. it though? I mean, I, that was one of my God winks. It just kind of popped into my head after we spoke. But the thing is, I see these programs and they, some of them are just like, okay, that really looks good. But if this is for people who are just starting out, they're nervous, they don't really know where to go, how to do it. You know, what do I do? Ask questions, let that, let them answer me so I can create what they really, really need. You know, I can't just go, well, this is the way I did kind of like you and Jimmy Rucker. You know, Jimmy Rucker would say, well, just do what I do. It's kind of my attitude, just do what I do. <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> so you have, to, you have to learn to listen. And I'm opening up what I'm calling a listening post. I want people to get on Zoom with me and with, with David Brown because my initial thought was, okay, if you want to be a podcast host, are you going to be a hobby or are you going to be a business? Because if you're going to be a hobby, stop spending money. 
You don't need an editor. Right. You don't need this, that, and the other. Just go do it. Let it grow organically. Let it grow with you. And I get a little miffed about some of the things that I'm being, you know, I see people go, oh, well, do this and do that. I'm saying, I just want to say, sit down, shut up. You don't <laughs> know what you're talking about. So that that's what we're going to do. So, you know, with, with David, David Brown, the business plan answer man, we're going to be talking about, do you need a business plan for a pot, you know, a hobbyist or for a business? It's a good place to start, but mostly Ben, Ben, excuse me, I'm coughing. I want to know what people really want to know. And I don't think that's being asked. No, uh, never is. And if asked, they listen to respond, not to learn. That's one of the hardest things I had to learn. Uh, as I told you, I was voted wittiest in three different high schools, which means I got thrown out of two of them for being witty uh, and uh, hung on till graduation in the third one uh, because I had not yet learned to listen except to myself. Uh, and Nelson Mandela was said of him, his greatest skill was he was a dynamic listener. And if you study people in history and, and so on, throughout their their things, the books about them and so on, you will find things like when I was with him or her, I felt as if I were the only person in the world, or I felt as if I were the most important person in the world. And that comes from listening. And if you're not with them, sometimes if I am with them, as I listen, I write it down. So that, you know, I can say with some authority, well, tell me if I missed something, but here's what I think you said you wanted. And by the way, off the cuff, uh, David Brown and I have known each other for years, met at a seminar somewhere originally, and uh, he is a Tony class. Robileski, I, I think. I, what? Tony Robaleski's meetings. Was it? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Uh, some, somewhere out on the seminar trail. Anyway, David is a class act, and he's one of those people, if you spend a few minutes with him, you think, oh, he actually knows his subject matter. He does. So uh, to the listeners, you know how much we love Denise and how she good at, how good she is at what she does. Hooked up with David Brown, that is a winning combination. And I wholeheartedly uh, endorse whatever they're doing together. Thank and, you. And, and if David, if you're listening, send me something, small unmarked bills for this oh. endorsement. <laughs> $5. Five is better than I usually get. So five will be good. Yeah. He's actually on the road to meet up with Tony Robleski, which made, made me think of that. But um, yeah, because I, I saw pictures of you guys way back in the day. I was like, I know them, but I had another, you know, I've had God winks with you. You know this. And they've you always know, tell them me. what a God wink is in your vernacular. I love this. <laughs> A God wink is when I'll be wandering around. Most of the time I'm in the shower. That's when I don't know my subconscious kind of unloads. It just, you know, because there's nothing for me to be distracted by. The cats aren't yelling at me. The phone's not ringing. If it is, I don't hear it. I'm relaxed, which is hard for me to do. I'm not a relaxing person to be around. I don't even find me very relaxing. So when I get in the shower, I go in there with my bathtub crayons because I know that these things are going to download crazy, you know, crazy fast. 
and I'll start scribbling all over the bath, you know, the the inside of the shower stall. We've talked about this, but I had a God wink. I was in the shower and all it said, this God's honest truth was call Ben gay. I didn't even know why. It just said call Ben gay. And I did. And, you know, a little bit of time went on and here we are now, but same thing with David Brown. I thought, hang on a second. What is going on with podcasts? Because I, I spend some time in a couple of Facebook groups and I've, I know I've said this on the radio, I will never need a facelift because I watch some of the horrible, horrible advice that's being bandied around, you know, like it's gospel, <clears throat> excuse me. And I mean, my eyebrows hit my hairline. I look like I was a victim of a really bad facelift. I look permanently surprised. And I'm back to saying moron. <laughs> it gets ugly <laughs> in there. So, I mean, if you've been a podcaster for oh, eight and a half minutes, stop talking. You don't know what you're doing. But it occurred to me after watching some of the expenses that these people were incurring and the money that they were spending and, you know, the time they were spending, they didn't have a podcast. Some of them were saying, well, when can, when can I quit my job? Oh, my God. Yeah, moron. <laughs> so <laughs> you are not Joe Rogan. But, you know, I thought, okay, is this for these people? Is this going to be a hobby? Mine is a hobby. You know, I don't monetize mine. It's a hobby. I do it because I get to meet people from all over the world. You know, people who become my mentors as you have become my mentor. Yeah. Or is this going to be a business? Big difference. David. So Godwink picked up the phone, called David Brown, and we've been working on it ever since. That's it. it has become one of my favorite terms. I've had Godwinks my whole life, but they didn't have a title. Do now, and, huh? Yeah. And since you taught me that phrase, I just love it because it's, and it can be little minor things. Like last night, I was finishing up the dishes because I can't get my woman to do what she's supposed to do. You know, Gigi uh, and I are going to have a talk probably over <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to sit down, cup of tea, and just talk, and you can't be in the room. <laughs> so anyway, with my slippery little hands, I dropped a glass into the sink, and it didn't break. And I, and I looked up at the ceiling. I said, thank you, Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> I guess that's a God wink. It was a minor one. I'll spot you. <laughs> and we got plenty of glasses. But I call when those little spontaneous good things and or thoughts or ideas come to me. Thanks to you, they're all God winks. And I want to make sure our listeners understood the term because it is magnificent. And once you know the term, you start seeing them in your life more you than before. And you hear them. You listen to them. Yep. Listen, when I'm in the shower, there's two voices. We all have voices in our heads. Some of us try not to say them out loud, but we all have them. <laughs> and I can hear myself talking to myself. And when I'm saying, okay, Denise, you know, we're going to do this, blah, 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 blah. Or, Denise, I'm going to do this. When I say I'm going to do it, that's ego. Ignore it. Don't write it down on the wall. But when I he hear we can do something, that's that's a God wink. That's somebody helping me out. Well, I'm glad you God winked me and that we formed oh, yeah. this friendship as a result. So I truly do appreciate it. Tell them how specific, because I know you're starting to form it up. How do you help them 
if they want to be a podcaster, uh, how do you, what's the service you provide to make it possible? And I will tell the listeners, uh, if I were going to go off into this by myself, I'm piggybacking on Denise's work by being a co-host. I've taken the cowardly way out. But <laughs> if if I were going to do it on my own, and especially from scratch, there's not a person on earth better than Denise. And I would call her first and say, okay, tell me, how, how do you teach me? Where do I fit in? What do I do? So to answer those questions for them. How do they fit in? What do they do? Well, I'll tell you right now, I belong firmly in the keep it simple, stupid camp of almost everything. And by watching these Facebook groups and watching these people spend money and energy, one guy got divorced over it. It's pretty insane. These people can get very, very caught up in doing something they know nothing about. Keep it simple, stupid. Don't spend money you don't have. If you have a cell phone, that'll work. If you can spend $20 on a Amazon uh, headset, which is what I'm using right now, I don't have any expensive equipment. I just plug into my tower and off I go. Keep it simple. Learn how to do it. Work your best instincts because it's going to take time. You cannot, in my opinion, and this has yet to be proven wrong to me you cannot jump in and 10 you know 10 episodes later somebody's going to be a sponsor for you it's just not going to happen get reasonable get rational find something a topic that you are passionate about learning not sharing learning i learn from all of my guests seriously i'm here to hear from you i'm here to learn from you i really consider my guests to be my mentors after that, that's where the magic happens. And I can teach you that. I can teach you how to find the, the right equipment. I can teach you not to spend stupid money until you're ready for it. There's there's so many things that have to happen with the podcast, social media, marketing. <clears throat> um, yeah, there, And there's a lot of way to do it for very little money or for free. My best advice is don't jump in and spend a bunch of money. If you do that, your wife's going to leave you. Let's just say <laughs> yeah. that. And I, mean, I wouldn't it, blame her. Not only is it unnecessary, you don't know what to spend it on. You don't. Yet. Yeah. We have a, a television commercial that runs on the, I'm a news junkie, so the news is always on, if only background. I don't sit and watch it, but if World War Three breaks out, I'd sort of like to know about it. <clears throat> but there's commercial or a local bank and uh, talk about what you say and don't say to prospects. It's a local bank in Sacramento, five-star, I believe it is. And the guy says, "We." I'm paraphrasing, we've been here for 20 years. We live in an area where Wells Fargo and B of A and so on have been here for well over 100 years. And he's saying, we've been here 20 years. That goes in my head. I go, ding, 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 ding. Uh, and then he says, so we're not going anywhere. Ding, 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 ding. I never, I didn't dawn on me. You might be going anywhere till you said that. Now, now I'm a little reluctant to put my money in your bank. You've only been here 20 years and you're concerned about going somewhere as in out of business, I assume. So those are the two mistakes the bank made. But the person who's endorsing them is sitting with a uh, headset on. And he says, 
he endorses Five Star Bank. They're wonderful people, and he wouldn't be in the podcasting business without them. And I thought, you went to a bank, what, to borrow $20? You know, in the in the beginning, it's it's not like you might turn your office into Star Wars before you're done. But in the beginning, as you said, if you got a cell phone, you're in. You are. And you really have to stop and listen. But you're asking what we're going to be teaching. There's a whole whole roster of things. There's going to be a lot of free things. There'll be some free checklists and free, you know, lead generation materials. There's going to be a lot of stuff that I do that I'm willing and able and really looking forward to giving away but you know i will have personal consultations you will pay for those but it's a way kind of like what we're doing right now it's like okay ben what is it that you need well let's try this and have you thought about this we work our way through it and we get you taking the first steps towards where you want to be there's a lot going on but for right now the first thing is going to be me asking you what is it that you don't know what is it that you really want to know about podcasting it may not be for you it may well not be for you it may be the best thing you've ever done but you're not going to know until you sit down and you start working at it and you can't work at it if your brain just goes to mush because you don't know what you really need to know absolutely <clears throat> and what you said this but let me just repeat it what are you trying to accomplish? Everybody wants to write a book. <clears throat> Very few do. The average book sells 500 copies. Doesn't even sell 500 copies. The average book, the author orders 500 copies. Sells all they can, gives some more away at Christmas and to friends, neighbors, and relatives. And it sits in a corner somewhere in the garage. That's the reality of the publishing business with new electronic ability to publish something and seminars, how to write your book in one day. There should be a warning label on any book that was written in one day. I want to know that <laughs> before I spend my money on it. But uh, understand what you're trying to accomplish. The Closers Part 1 had sold 10.5 million copies when we quit counting in uh, 1996 so it's what 30 almost 30 years ago or roughly 30 years ago <clears throat> and uh, that was tremendous success but that's not the best thing that came of it the best thing that came of it was it was my passport to credibility yeah that's it been that. with the closers right. and and i know how to describe the closers where if you've never heard of it in two or three minutes, you'll believe you should have heard of it, and you'll also claim you had. It's like the script I wrote for Earl Nightingale. Of course you've heard of Earl Nightingale, the most listened to radio voice in the world, heard daily under, on over 700 radio stations in the United States and Canada. I had to develop that script because I quickly discovered, percentage-wise, almost no one had heard of Earl Nightingale. Percentage-wise, a lot of people never heard of the closers. A lot of people never heard of Ben Gay. But explained together, they are my passport to credibility. Therefore, there are many reasons I might want to have my own podcast someday. I won't, but if you'll know, because if I do, I'll call you. you know. Oh, you can't but, quit. 
You're my co-host. You, you're not going anywhere. Well, I don't intend to. Okay, good. <laughs> but, but if I had that inkling, I would first say, what am I trying to accomplish? If it's make a lot of money, that may not be the place to go. I don't see very many monetized podcasts. Uh, as you said, a lot of them are hobbies, a lot of them are ego, whatever. But what I do see a benefit is a passport to credibility. I tell people frequently, I'm the uh, co-host of uh, your partner in success radio with Denise Griffith in the top two, you've probably heard of us in the top 2% of all podcasts. And like they used to do with Earl's script, they say, oh, yes, yes. And now you and I know in our hearts, they probably have never heard of me, you, or, or the me. podcast. Right. <laughs> I'm it, always surprised when people say, oh, I listened to you. You did? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in so the top no, 2%. So know why show. it's exposure it uh, is. To, to do other things, to give speeches, to write books. It's a cumulative package. When people ask me, what do I do? I say, well, I'm an author, speaker, consultant salesman actually on my business card salesman comes first speaker sales trainer consultant coach mentor etc it's all a bundle and podcast co-host is in that bundle it builds credibility it does perhaps not to make money on the podcast hopefully you do and denise will teach you how uh, if it's possible in your little niche but exposure and credibility i promise you you will get if few if any people listen to it because you can talk about it exactly and you get your voice heard and that is so important and you really described why i started this podcast 15 years ago as you know and many people do know this i'm a highly committed introvert i'm not shy I don't have any filters. And when I'm outside, <laughs> I'm out and about. People have no idea that I'm an introvert and I'm trying to get away. <laughs> but I'm, I, you know, I'm probably an introverted extrovert. But there are no pictures of me on the Internet. There never have been. There never will be. But I needed as a web developer to gain some credibility and to get my voice heard because I do have some expertise. I do want to meet people all over the world. So I started this podcast and it has just gone beyond. I, I could have never seen any of this happening, but I got my voice heard. And for me, a podcast is really all about getting your voice heard. There are people out there who really need to know who you are, what you're doing, what you have to offer. And it's a great testimonial or referral if you're talking to someone who's never heard of you, et cetera, et cetera, well, when we get off, be sure and go to and listen to my podcast, one or two of them or whatever. So if they haven't already heard about it, you've got it as backup. You know, the, occasionally I don't hear it much, but occasionally I'll have some salesperson say, I've never heard of the closers. Really? How long have you been in selling? Not counting yesterday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, they'll say, well, what do you mean? I said, well, that's like a Christian going into a Christian bookstore and saying, we got a Bible. Nobody told me we had a Bible. So you can use it to spring back on them if it doesn't work like it's supposed to work. It, rather quick as Earl, you know, with the Earl thing. No one wants to be the only person on earth back in those days who had never listened to the most listened to radio voice in the world 
her daily on over 700 radio stations. Um, everybody wants in on that. And then they forget now that they're in and they're a good buddy of Earl, they forget how little they knew of him to start with. Uh, until I happened to listen to a couple of your podcasts. I, I don't even know why. By accident, I got an email or something. I didn't know who you were. And uh, but you, but, but you won me. Be. You won me over almost instantly. Since well, I, I invited you. I got a hold of you. I think on Facebook and at told you that I, you know, I'm a big fan of yours, and that's not a word I use lightly. And asked if you would be my guest, and you have been multiple times. Well, that answers that question. Yeah. I had forgotten that part. Like I forgot where I met David Brown. I think you're right. It was in a Rubileski seminar. <clears throat> but I repeat again, great partner for your new project. He's a yes. wonderful guy. He is. He's traveling. And we're about to run out of time. Um, and thank you, Ben. I really appreciate you giving me the, you know, the bandwidth to talk about what we're doing because it's been a long time coming. We've been working on this for about a year and it's taken way too long. But I'm through beating myself up over it. We're just going to do it. We're launching. And, you know, the, the goal is to help as many people get their voices heard as possible. That's really all I want to do. Get your voice heard. Well, you're the one to do it. So uh, I, again, wholeheartedly endorse you, your talent, your expertise, and this particular service. Can't wait to see it take wing. It's probably already doing far better than you realize, just people listening to you do it. And then they probably went and tried to figure out how to do it on their own. You can cut a lot of time off their learning curve. I hope so. Well, listen, before we run out of time, we have exactly two minutes and I don't want it to cut off on us. Where can people find you? Where can they buy your books? And tell them very quickly about your mentoring program. Uh, where they can find my books is at the best place because the special pricing and free shipping is at stores, S-T-O-R-E-S dot eBay dot com forward slash Ronzoni books, all one word, R-O-N-Z-O-N-E-B-O-O-K-S. Uh, all the books still come with an unconditional lifetime money-back guarantee. And even when you get them from Ronzoni Books, I, they're brought to me and I sign and date them. And they, if ordered before 2 p.m., they go out that day, 2 p.m. Pacific time. How to reach me in my mentoring program where I do for other people what Dr. Napoleon Hill did for me. I was his last protege. You just send me an email and somewhere in it mention that you're interested in the mentoring program. Uh, and uh, my email is B, as in Ben, F as in Frank, G as in Gay, the number three, BFG3, at directcon.net, D I R E C T C O N dot net. Got it. And you know, I have to ask, what do we want to cover next week? Well, that's a very good question. And let's be honest with our listeners. I'm flipping through the book. All right. Here's a great one. Page 101, Conditions versus Objections. So everybody... 
Thank you for being with us here every Wednesday. And we did cover, you did say that we were going to go to page 101, right? Correct. Okay, we'll cut that Conditions part. versus objections. We got it. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much for being with us. We will see you next week. And contact Ben if you want to talk to him about his mentoring program. To listen to this podcast, go to yourpartnerinsuccessradio.com. You'll find us over there. Honestly, you can go anywhere on the internet. Just type in Ben Gay or Ben Gay the Third or Denise Griffiths and your partner in Success Radio. We're going to pop up. You can't throw a stick on the internet without hitting us. So thank you, and I will see you next week. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.